Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking season four, episode 20, Conflicted. I feel like it could have had a better title. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Conflicted doesn't seem right. Uh, yeah, we've got six episodes left. Shit. Yeah. This is a, a long fucking season. I thought it was like three episodes left. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Six episodes left. What's a what's a fun fact? I don't want this to be my fun fact because it's going to be irrelevant by the time that this episode comes out. But I am very curious to see how this season of Euphoria is going to get wrapped up. When it's good, it's so good. When it's bad, it's not good at all. Yeah, it's it's pretty at least, but like, at what cost? The most recent episode, like the second to last episode, I really was not feeling. And I just felt it was really self-indulgent. And every time we watch it, my husband goes, that's Jed Apatow's daughter. He's like, it's nepotism. And I'm like, hmm. It's a bummer, though, because I loved, like, wholeheartedly loved the entire first season. And I just was not, maybe I had too high expectations, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's hard, especially because, like, episode five of season two was incredible. So, like, how are you going to ride that out for, like, another several episodes? But, I mean, I didn't hate the last episode. I, the like, when I was watching it, I was like, what's going on? But, like, the more I've thought about it, the more I've appreciated it. So, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, this this episode is going to be irrelevant for us. I mean, this is going to be irrelevant now that once this episode comes out. Um, yeah, that's it's true. But that's where my brain's at right now. So my fun fact is that I would let um Nate from Euphoria Jacob Alordi. Oh my god. I would let him strangle me. Uh please please watch Kissing Booth and then let me know what your thoughts on him are. Can I share our rating criteria? Yes. So we rate each episode on a scale of 0 to 100. We have five different categories. Each episode can score a total of 20 points per category for a total score of 100. The categories are criminal slash serial killer, character development slash character arcs, forensic slash context, script writing, and background characters. And I'm going to say that we are in no way, shape, or form professionally associated with Criminal Minds or anything therein. We are just big fans. Please do not sue us. All right. And I'm going to jump in. And um, I don't... I, this is something else. I like they, they, I didn't include it in the recap. But at some point during this episode, they mentioned that Obama's president. And that was really... Like, that threw me so hard. I was like... Whoa. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't, know, I don't yes. know why that was so jarring. Yeah, that was fucking jarring. Um, another fun fact about this episode before we outside of Obama is that Jason Alexander um, directed this episode. So if any of you all remember our discussion about the man, the myth, the legend during the episode Masterpiece, that's who we're talking about. She was a brunette, David. So this episode opens with someone lighting up a cigarette and a woman asks, how are you feeling today? And the other woman is like, well, you're letting me smoke. And it looks like a therapist in a patient situation or maybe someone in jail. The therapist is like, let's talk about Adam. Is he still missing? And the other woman is like, yes, but I'm not going to help find him. The better question is, what are you hiding, Dr. Reed? Reed steps out of the corner of the dark room like a creep and says he's looking for Adam. You know, this isn't about being smart. And Reed is like, no, it's about doing the right thing. And the lady with the cigarette is like, I did the right thing. There is a little bit of an accent. It is like, I did the right thing. Hot, and we now see some fireworks, loud music. We see a bunch of white people dancing and partying and they're all like wearing various like swimsuits and shorts and they have glow sticks and sparklers. And we see a guy get a text inviting him to a party the next night. And we see him follow this girl into an elevator. He gets like a text that his girlfriend is not going to make it tonight because her plane was overbooked. And then he calls his friend and says, oh, the old ball and chain isn't going to make it. I'm free. And then the lady in the chair gets up kind of sexily and walks to the elevator and he follows her. Yeah, you explained that a lot better than I did. But we see what them participating in what is probably supposed to look like BDSM, but it's actually assault murder and it does not look consensual. And a plastic bag is around his head while uh, it is all intercut with partying scenes. Next, we see a guy named Adam, a.k.a. Jasper, from Twilight, in the lobby of a hotel. Um, A lady at the desk calls him over, and she asks if he can turn over room 319 because there was another early checkout. He puts on headphones and starts cleaning the room quite thoroughly, actually. I was like, I'd feel more reassured being in this hotel. While he is doing this, um, he notices that there are a lot of clothes still in the room, which doesn't make sense. And then, oh, no, there's a body in the closet. And it is the man, Dan, who we saw from before. So we cut to the BAU and JJ is briefing them on this murder. His name is Daniel. He was a junior at Franklin College. He died of COD asphyxiation. But what makes this important is that this is the second murder that took place that week. There was another guy who died of the exact same way. Both of them had been sexually assaulted prior to death and apprentices like men (laughs) raped and murdered. Interesting. Yeah, I also think like they they couldn't tell if it was like consensual or non-consensual because later they're like asking the families So they couldn't tell if, like, it was rape or if it was, like, sex. Intercourse had occurred. Yeah, yeah. So both of these happened at the Hudson Street Hotel. um, And additionally, both of the bodies were discovered by hotel staff. So on the BAU jet, 
Hey, girl. JJ shares that national media has already picked up on this story, so they will probably have to make a statement once they land. So the BAU arrives at the Hudson Street Hotel, and they were immediately greeted by Julie, the manager. She's like super pretty. Sidebar. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's got the she's got like dark brown hair that's long and kind of wavy, and she dresses really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like all the women who work at this hotel are gorgeous. So she shares that they have security cameras, but not enough. They get all the, like, major exits and entrances, but not, like, the detailed hallways or anything. The team goes to the crime scene, the bedroom 319, and Reed notices the scratch marks on the footboard and deduces that the victims were bound before the struggle began. And Rossi asks to me what I think is the obvious question was, was this consensual or coerced, like, BDSM? Reed, Morgan, and Rossi walk through different scenarios on how the victims could have been bound. If it wasn't consensual, the unsub probably would have had needed a weapon, such as a gun. So if I'm the unsub and it wasn't consensual, how does this work? You'd have to have a weapon. A gun to the face means he doesn't scream out. Look at the distance between where each of the arms were tied. There's no way he could have tied that second hand himself. Which means the unsub did it for him. Which would be risky because if he knew he was in danger and he saw the opportunity, he would take it. Why not drug him and then tie him up? Eliminate the risk. The talk screen came back negative. So it's either consensual or he has a partner. Yeah, also, they they do talk briefly about how both of the victims so far are, like, quote-unquote alpha males who are, like, really in shape and strong. Yeah, so that also, like, feeds into them thinking that this is, like, a partner duo. Especially because there's, there's, like, no sign of a struggle. Potch and JJ and Prentice meet with Reese Evans, who I'm assuming is a police officer down there, but she wears a, like, white polo so i was like that doesn't look like oh yeah it it was a very different kind of uniform now morgan is meeting with jasper aka adam wait 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 (laughs) you're missing the best part jasper aka adam is on the roof smoking a doobie and morgan pops up and he's like oh oh, it's for medical problems yes Yes. (laughs) they spend a lot of fucking time on the the roof not for nothing roof boys he's hiding out on the roof smoking weed and reed asks if adam had uh seen either of the boys before or noticed anything strange about the rooms prior to finding the body adam jackson your manager said we could find you up here uh i i get migraines you discovered the body last night yeah had you ever seen him before or noticed anyone he may have been with? Uh, I've never seen him before in my life. So I opened the closet and I can't get him out of my head. Adam, what about the uh, the first victim, William Browder? Had you ever seen him before? Never seen either of them. Let me ask you this. Is there anything you remember about the room before you discovered the body? Uh, it might not seem like much, but the, the smallest detail could really help us a lot. It looked pretty normal. So I opened the closet door. Did anything stand out about the body? Or, uh, for that matter, anyone at the hotel last night? No, oh, man. You see one drug frat guy? I've seen them all. 
Hotch shares with the rest of the team that neither of these victims were gay, and Dan's girlfriend uh, even described him as, quote, overtly sexual and aggressive towards women. And I'm like, yikes, girl, break up. So Rossi talks about how there was, like, no signs of a struggle at the crime scene, so perhaps there is two unsubs, a woman luring them in, and then the other coming in for the kill, basically treating these alpha males the way that they treat women. And so I was like, I guess feminist icons? I'm joking. (laughs) But, like, they said equal rights. Yeah, it, it's very similar to um, the the first Will slash Bill episode. That's what I kept thinking the whole time. I was like, if this is going to turn into like another Jack the Ripper episode, I'm going to get kind of tired. I I'm very tired of the like rape revenge stories. Yeah, absolutely. So we see a party at a pool and we see two guys getting drinks and there is a woman staring um, at them from across the floor because it's criminal minds. We don't see her face, but she, her, her presence alone is enough to get attention from one of these guys. Yeah. And she does have like very like long, wavy, dark brown hair. Yes. It looks kind of similar to Julie's. One of the guys goes over and starts dancing with her, so we know he's going to die. The next morning, we learn that this fellow's name was Carl Cade, and he was another spring breaker, but the thing is, he was killed in a different hotel altogether. He was partying with friends, and the friends saw him dancing with a girl in a green dress, and he was killed and posed the exact same way as the other two. They suspect that perhaps the unsubs went to another hotel because they were aware that the FBI was at the Hudson Street Hotel. And now we get a profile. I honestly think this is a whack-as-fuck profile. It's, it's really not, not good, but we are going to stay true and we're just going to do it. Here's the profile. One of them is either a guest at the Hudson Street Hotel or possibly an employee there because we're talking about the killer couple. But since kids are on spring break uh, migrating from place to place, we cannot be positive that they are still on site at the Hudson Street Hotel if they were a guest. We're looking for a dominant submissive team. Speaking of tired, I'm tired of that trope. Yes. Uh, We talked about that already. Um, A man and woman probably in their 20s. And this is what sent me launched into the atmosphere with this shit or the stratosphere. What do you say? What you this launched me into outer space? I was sent into the stratosphere. I was rocket launched into orbit. Yes. Heterosexual male who is most likely submissive in his everyday life with everyone except for his partner. With her, he is the dominant. I'm like, where did they get that? They're just pulling shit out of the air. I was starting to lift off into orbit, but this is what really rocket launched me into deep space. Uh, Quote, the girl in this duo will be socially awkward. Where? (laughs) And 
and of average intelligence and emotionally unstable. From where did they get that? Also, she can't be that because she has to be charismatic enough to lure these guys into a room. What we expect in the modern woman, they just ask for too much. Not only socially awkward, average intelligence, but emotionally stable. Talk about setting unrealistic expectations for the modern woman. Um, not only will she be all of those things, what are three other things about her? Well, she will be reclusive. <laughs> what is she, a fucking hermit? Hiding out in the goddamn cave? Hey, so, so I think it'd be really cool if we, like got together and hung out and like what like uh, in my in my cave do you want to come back to my cave we can have some fun i like to tie you up hello hey mr Jockman. do you want to come to my hermitage (laughs) (laughs) i have some really cool rocks in there in my cave do like how how all right she'll be reclusive she'll have a problem with authority and can't interact with dominant personalities except for i guess her partner the dominant or these alpha men that she's recruiting what were they thinking they really were just like eh make something up let's change it up but it doesn't work like it's cl- and and yes they are not seeing what we're seeing where she's luring them in but they know enough to know that these are like alpha male personalities that she's luring in Garcia video chats into the team and says that although there are no reports of male rape in the area, which is not surprising because those are extremely underreported, or anything fishy on the surveillance tapes of the days of the murder, she did find footage of William Browder, which was victim number one, talking to Madison Cook, the hotel manager. And the footage, we see him grab her arm, sort of, and Adam Jackson, who is Jasper, intervenes, and William shoves him to the ground. We see Adam pause, and then, as Garcia puts it, go postal. And he jumps and shoves William into the pool. It's like a tackle situation. Also, Madison Cook is another one of these sexy women with long, wavy brown hair. This is shady, not because of his interference necessarily, but because Adam had told Reed that he hadn't previously met um, either of the victims. So Hotch tells Garcia to look up everything she can about Adam. Adam Jackson's life reads like a how to make an unsub manual. We're in Corpus Christi, biological mother Rosemary Jackson, in and out of hospitals, broken arm, broken rib, exhaustion. The polite way of saying spousal abuse. Exactly. And then she died suddenly when Adam was five. Father unknown, Adam was left in the custody of his stepfather, Mark Harrison. And then it became Adam who was in and out of the emergency room. He was eventually foster homed in Dallas until he was granted emancipation at the age of 16. I would bet you if we could see Mark Harrison back then, he would bear a striking resemblance to our unsubs victims. Morgan and Reed find Adam on the roof and bring him into questioning, and Morgan believes it was him, especially given his patterns and behavior. 
While he's being questioned, Reed is like, you're in a lot of trouble, Adam. To which Adam is like, all I did was leave work early without telling my boss. And I was just like, I feel so bad for him. He's also, again, it's Jasper from Twilight, so he's kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, he, he's hot. He's hot. And so he also says that he needs to see Julie, the manager. And Reed asks about the fight he had with the first victim. However, Adam says he can't remember. And he starts breaking down and starts getting very, like, I need to talk to Julie. Like, very assertive about that. I'm confused about who's managing the hotel, who's an employee. The way that I interpreted it is that Julie's, like, kind of, like, the GM, and then Madison is, like, a general, like, it's just, like, a, like, just, like, a key-holding manager, sort of. So, JJ learns from a Garcia that Adam doesn't only work at the hotel, but he actually also lives there. He was kicked out of his prior place because of drugs and petty theft, so he moved into the hotel, and Julie actually pays his bills and has bailed him out of jail. The history between Julie and Adam goes back to when she was in college and she was involved in the foster care system that Adam was a part of, so she kind of became like a surrogate mother to him. So Garcia starts looking into Julie. Uh, they track down her location and see that she is now at, like, a party dance scene at a bar. A guy comes up to her, the, to a brunette woman. We see them canoodling on the dance floor, but she's unable to take him away because the BAU is at the door. And they're like, ha, gotcha, you're the unsub. Yeah, and she sure does look like it from behind. Yeah. So now we see Adam and Reed in questioning again. And Adam justifies defending Madison in the altercation. From the conversation, it sounds like Adam, like, blacked out during the actual altercation. Um, He says that he didn't know what was happening, and then he was getting pulled out of the pool by Julie. So they decide to just make them both take a polygraph test, even though we know those are not super accurate. We see this, like, little montage of intense questioning. State your name. Julie Riley. Adam Jackson. What color are your eyes? Blue. Where were you the night Carl Cade was killed? At work. At home. Who is the current president of the United States? Barack Obama. Did you murder Dan Keller? Did you murder William Browder? No. No. What is 32 minus 19? Would you kill for Julie? You lied about the altercation with William Browder. Is there anything else you've lied about? No. No. Did you murder Dan Keller? What time did you leave work the night William Browder was killed? I, I don't remember. Have you ever had a sexual relationship with Julie Riley? Have you lied about anything else? No. Did you murder Carl Kay? He's just a friend. Using the formula Y equals MX plus B, what does B represent? Would Adam kill for you? No. Did you murder Carl Kay? No. No. Did you murder William Browder? No. Absolutely not. Would you kill for Julie? No. 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 And it turns out they both passed the polygraph test with like flying colors. And as Julie and Adam are leaving the office, Reed is still studying the tape of Adam going postal and tackling um, first victim. And then Reed notices the like this intense uh, staring experience that Adam is like currently doing across the room towards Reed. There's just this intense staring experience <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the eyes are bulging. Reed is continuing to study the tape and then asks what question Adam had a faulty answer on because there's only one question he did. 
and Morgan's like, you know, it was a geometric, geometric baseline question. It's like, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. He was probably just intimidated. However, Reed proposes a theory that Adam actually lied about not knowing the answer to the question. What if he knew the answer to the question, but intentionally got it wrong because he realized he wouldn't know the answer? Tell me about the question that he spiked on during the polygraph. It was a control question. Is that the baseline? It was a geometric equation. Reed, I really think he was just intimidated. He tried. He got it wrong, but he wasn't supposed to know the answer anyway. What if he lied? What if what if he knew the answer to the question, but intentionally got it wrong? I, I, I don't know. Why would he do that? Because he realized that he wouldn't know that answer. You losing me, kid. Because that makes sense, Reed. Adam had said that he wasn't getting any rest, but he takes midday naps because he's always exhausted. He has a history of blackouts and reclusive behavior, and Reed believes that it isn't an unsub couple, rather that Adam has a dissociative identity disorder. They believe that Adam has multiple personalities and he doesn't actually know he killed these fellas because it was a different personality doing the killing and that's why he can't remember it and is still surprised to find the bodies. Morgan is like, I don't even know what to do with this and Hodge is kind of like, well, lol, we're going to get him into custody and they can decide. So now we see Julie on the roof because she's confronting Adam kind of like, what's going on? What does this mean? And Adam is having like a meltdown. She suggests they go to the police together and turn him in and figure it out. And then we see him change. And oh my god, his personality is no longer Adam. His personality switches to Amanda. And his entire body language changes and he pushes her off the roof. And there's this line where Amanda says, and I I wrote in my notes, soft southern accent, my name is Amanda. You shouldn't be up here. Adam, you're starting to scare me. My name is Amanda. If you're in some kind of trouble, hun, I can help you. Adam doesn't need you anymore. There's this AC unit on the roof that he's like, he goes, it's, I think it's actually like, well done in terms of dramatic transitions because like they're fighting and adam like hides behind the ac condenser or whatever and then like we see him like change and then he stands up and now adam is a man like i just i thought that was kind of fun the bau swarms to the hotel and they find julie on the ground and she's injured but seems to be okay i thought she was gonna die I don't know. It was we it's inconclusive. Yes, we don't we never learn. So Reed realizes that Adam is probably gonna go after his dad, um, because he's gonna go to the root of the problem. So they barge into his home because he lives close and Adam slash Amanda is in the midst of suffocating the father. Reed is sort of able to talk Adam Amanda down. I guess it's Amanda at this point. And Reed is like, please stop it and come with me. We can help both of you. But instead, Amanda is like, nope, okay, I'm going to kill myself instead. But then she doesn't. And they're able to apprehend Amanda without there being any bloodshed. But it's like fucked up. And it seems that Adam is gone and Amanda has like taken over. 
Reed is like beating himself over at all and wishes he had been able to like notice this sooner. And Morgan's like, well, how, how would you have been able to do that? He talks about how like Tob- Tobias Hankel, if we remember Hankel's be Hankelin, uh, had DID and was going between being Archangel Raphael, Tobias Hankel himself, and then like, his father. And then he said his father was the one that kidnapped Reed, but then like Tobias Hankel himself was the one who like saved Reed's life. We realized then because at the end, I thought that was the end of the episode, but no, there's like a little another scene. And we realized that the lady smoking the cigarette at the beginning of the episode is actually Amanda. And Reed has been visiting Amanda because he wants Adam to come back And Amanda says Reed will be waiting for a long time for her to do the right thing. So it's sad. Like that made me so sad. I mentioned this to Abigail before we started recording, but I did think it was interesting that they chose um, what we throughout this whole episode, we just see the back of the unsub and we're like, Ooh, is it whatever? Is it, Manager is number Madison? one. Is yes. Julie? Yeah. Who is it? And we'd never see the front. Um, and they did actually use a t- totally different, they used an actress um, for those scenes, which I thought was a little interesting. This actor does a pretty convincing, like he looks very feminine and like his body language is very feminine as well when he's Amanda. Yeah, and I, I, I told Abigail, I was like, I'm, I think Amanda's hot. I wrote on my notes, ten out of ten would fuck. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, and I also appreciate the fact that like the voice wasn't like overly done um, because there's a lot of like. Unfortunately, we still have this bad stigma, obviously, about like a, a man in woman's clothing. And like we see a lot of like overly done, terrible portrayals of, of this. I thought this was like really well done. Like the full, like everything was just like the mark of a good actor and also a good director. Either one of you wants to come on the podcast? Not a problem for us. Um, should I do my deep dive? Yeah. I did a deep dive on dissociative identity disorder, which is also called DID. And this is from the Cleveland uh, Clinic. And what is dissociative identity disorder? It's a mental health condition People with DID have two or more separate identities. These personalities control their behavior at times. Each identity has its own personal history, traits, likes, and dislikes. DID can lead to gaps in memory and hallucinations. Also used to be called multiple personality disorder or split personality disorder. How common is DID? Because this is the second time we've seen this in four seasons. Um, It's very rare. It affects between 0.01 and 1% of the population. It can occur at any age. And women are actually more likely to have it than men. But the good news, guys, and I'll get to it later, is that a lot of therapy... Like, it's not 100% curable, but you can live with it. And 
people can live very successful lives with it as well. So what causes DID? And I, th- I thought this was pretty interesting, but pretty synonymously across the internet, they're saying it's um, the result of sexual or physical abuse during childhood. They said sometimes it can be the response of like a PTSD thing, um, but most oftentimes it is sexual or physical abuse during childhood. What is the treatment for DID? Some medications may help with certain symptoms such as depression and anxiety because those are often, often common with the disorder, but the most effective treatment is psychotherapy. Therapy focuses on identifying and working through past trauma or abuse, managing sudden behavior changes, and merging separate identities into a single identity, which is the main thing that it's about. And this is a little throwback to an episode earlier in the season. They actually say that hypnotherapy can help with DID. There is no cure, but most people manage it and live very healthy, normal lives. Yeah, so, I I mean, it's not like, honestly, I was thinking that it was like a lot better than what was that other terrifying thing where you can just believe that you're in a relationship with someone. Oh, erotomania? Yeah, so to me, erotomania is a lot scarier because they're like, you just, you, that's just how you feel. Uh, but this, it sounds like, and they're like famous people who live with it too. So definitely really interesting, but we should rate this episode cause you gotta eat. I do. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to give him a 20. That is fair. I love it. The one question I have left about this episode is that we don't really know what like triggered Amanda to suddenly start killing. Oh, yeah. Like, well, we knew, like, the, you know, we knew the background, we knew, we kind of knew, like, the reasoning, but, like, why now? Yeah, and it sounds like Adam had been, like, living with Amanda for a long time. So, yeah, I I am also interested to know, like, that's kind of a plot hole because, like, there's always got to be an inciting incident. But maybe we should give it props that there wasn't a trigger, you know, because sometimes the fucking trigger drives me crazy. All right, character development, character arcs. There weren't really any, but I I did like read that whole read thing with Tobias Hankel, Hankel's be Hankelin. Do you want to give it like a 14? We could give it a 15. I like this episode. Uh, Forensics and context. I'm torn because I really think this was a terrible profile that made no sense, but I really like this episode. 10. We should give it a little more. 13 13 okay script writing i i didn't have any significant qualms the only thing i didn't like was the the um profile but i feel like we took off enough points for that so like we could give it a high score 18 sure all right and background characters they were so pretty and like i know last episode i was like White men with brown hair who are tall all look the same. Uh, But um, this was done on purpose, and I really kind of liked the mystique of it. So, I I mean, even though we didn't learn too much, well, actually, that's not even true, because what's her name? The the lady who, like, took him under 
Julie, like she fucking, we learned a lot about her and about how like she cared for him and was like, got him the job and was like paying for him to like live at the hotel and all of this. So I think we, we can give that a higher score. 18. You give a 19. Okay. All right. And that gives us a grand total of 85. Thanks for going on this journey with us, you guys. Um, we are almost done with this season. So close. Six episodes. <laughs> so close. So close. Um, you can follow us on all the socials. We have a Kofi, we have a Patreon, we have a website. I have a website, yournewapartment.tumblr.com. I have a podcast which is between stage and screen that's available on all streaming services. Peace out, guys. Bye.